give me the words to say. Lord, help me to have the boldness, Lord, to uh, say the things you have me to say. Lord, I pray that you would help me to uh, have a clarity of mind as we're here tonight. We're all here to study your word. We're all here to learn from the Bible. Lord, I pray that you would please help me as we just take the next few moments uh, to look at your word. Lord, I pray that you speak to us tonight. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're there in Matthew chapter number 12, and we've been preaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Matthew. It's hard to believe we're already in Matthew chapter number 12. We're pretty far into it. And as you may have noticed, Matthew 12 is a long chapter. It's 50 verses. Sometimes the chapter is a little shorter. Sometimes they're a little longer. Tonight, we're not going to go through the entire chapter, all right? So don't worry. We're going to cut it up into at least a couple nights, maybe even three nights. Tonight, we're going to deal with just the first 14 verses of Matthew chapter number 12. And uh, the verses, the, the, past, the part that we're going to deal with tonight has to deal with the Sabbath day. So just to kind of give you the context, keep your finger there in Matthew 12 and go with me to the book of Genesis. In the Old Testament, the first book of the Bible, go to Genesis chapter number 2. And I want to just give you a little bit of the context of what's going on uh, in, in regards to the Sabbath day. Many of you may be very familiar with the Sabbath day. Some of you may not know what the Sabbath day is. So I want to just kind of, even though we're not really going to deal with the Sabbath day tonight a lot, we'll talk about it a little bit. I I do want you to just understand the concept of the Sabbath day. Genesis chapter number 2. In Genesis chapter 1, obviously you have the creation story. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we are told of the first six days of creation. Genesis chapter number 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, and that's the, the word Sabbath means seventh. Which, you know, in our calendar, the, the, the week begins on a Sunday. That's the first day of the week. And then the last day of the week, or the seventh day, would be Saturday. And verse 2 says, And on the seventh day, God ended His work, which He had made. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work, which He had made. So God worked a six-day week, and He rested on the seventh day. And the Bible says He, uh, that he, he rested on the seventh day from all His work that He made. The Bible goes on to tell us, that he sanctifies the seventh day and he actually makes it a law in Israel that no one is to work on the seventh day. On the Sabbath day there is to no work be done. It is supposed to be a day of rest. It is supposed to be a day where you people people just kind of relax and they don't work on that day because God did not work on that day. Now go to Acts chapter number 20. Let me show you something real quickly. Now, I'm not preaching about the Sabbath day. I've, I've preached many sermons on that. If you're interested you can look those up on our website. But I do want you to see a couple things. Often I get phone calls, uh, and more calls than you would imagine. And I get phone calls from people, and people will say to me, uh, you know, I listen to your sermons online, or I listen to your sermon on YouTube, or I watch After the Tribulation. And, and they'll say to me, it seems like you have a great church. And I would come to your church if you had church on Saturday. But because you have church on Sunday, um, you know, I don't agree with that. And today there is a movement. You know, you, you may have heard of, like, the Seventh-day Adventists. They uh, believe in only having church on Saturday, not having church on Sunday. You know, but there's even, there's even uh, uh, Saturday. Seventh-day Baptist, you know, I think they call it Sabbatians, Baptists, or Baptists who have churches on Saturday. And, you know, just to kind of give you uh, an example why we have church on Sundays. Are you there in Acts chapter 20? Look at verse 7. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, the Bible says, And upon the first day of the week, 
when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. So, in Acts 27, we get an example of a church service. It was the first day of the week, which in our calendar would be Sunday, when his disciples came together to break bread, that's their coffee and donuts that they had before the service, then Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow. So Paul was there, they had fellowship, Paul preached, and they did this on the first day of the week. Go to 1 Corinthians, just real quickly. You're there in Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, chapter number 16. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 16, and verse number 2. 1 Corinthians 16. Let me just give you another quick example, just to give you uh, context about the Sabbath day. I'm not preaching on the Sabbath day tonight. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, the Bible says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in the store, as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So, Paul was talking about the fact that he's coming to preach to this church. He said, I want you to take a love offering for me while I'm there. He says, that's awkward. So just do it on the Sunday before I get there. He says, do it at your church service when I'm not there. And he says, of course, your church service is going to be on the first day of the week. And I want you to know that the pattern in Scripture is that church was held on the first day of the week. And today there are people that say, well, the Sabbath day was established by God, and it's a religious day, and we should have church on Saturday. Now, there are many reasons why we don't have church on Saturday, but let me just give you a very practical reason, okay? In the Old Testament, there was no such thing as church in the way that you and I know there was, not, there was not a place where they went and they gathered and a man stood up and preached. Now, things like that would happen from time to time. You'll find something like that in the book of Nehemiah where a man stands up and gives them the sense of the Word of God. But in the Old Testament, the religion, uh, the, the type of worship that they had in the day was a tabernacle. It was a temple. They would bring sacrifices. They would do sacrifice. They did not have a church service. So people will say, we're supposed to have church on Saturday, because God sanctified the, the Sabbath day, and my question for them is, show me in the Bible where anybody knows church on Saturday. Because they didn't. There was no church in the Old Testament. Acts makes reference to the congregation as the church in the wilderness, but they were a nation. They were a... So you got to understand, you know, people sometimes will say, well, you know, we're supposed to keep the Sabbath day, so you should have church on Saturday. Look, if you want to take a day out of the week, and I, I would advise you to do, to take a day out one day uh, from the week and rest on that day and not work on that, on that day, hey, praise the Lord. You do that, that's a great principle to live by, but nowhere in the Bible does the Bible teach that we should have church on Sunday, and especially Especially, you know, all the references they like to show you in regards to why we should be Seventh-day Adventists are in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, there was no church. Jesus established the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And you will notice that from the moment Jesus established the church all throughout the Gospels, they were meeting on the first day of the week and throughout the book of Acts and even in, in the rest of the New Testament was the first day of the week. So like I said, that has nothing to do with the sermon. I just wanted to give you the context for the Sabbath day because we're going to be talking about that. You got all that for free, okay? I'm not charging you for that. And uh, go, go back to Matthew chapter 12, and I just want you to understand uh, the, the Sabbath day concept. We are not Seventh-day Adventists, and, uh, and there's a lot more to be said that could be said about the Sabbath day. But that's all, all I kind of want to deal with today. Look at Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 1, okay? 
At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the court. So it's the Sabbath day, it's the seventh day, it's the day of rest. Jesus is walking through the court, and his disciples were in hunger, and began to pluck the ears of corn, and to eat them. So Jesus, his disciples, they're walking through the corn, they get a little hungry, they begin to pluck the ears of corn, they begin to eat them, verse 2, but when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, now notice what they said, they said and they accused Jesus, they say, behold, that disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. They said, your disciples are breaking the law. The Sabbath day is supposed to be a day of rest. The Sabbath day is supposed to be a day where nobody works. And he says, you guys are walking through the cornfield and you're grabbing, you know, corn and you're eating it and what you're doing is not lawful. Now keep your finger there in Matthew 12, alright? Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 23. In the Old Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, uh, Matthew, good night. That is not the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 23. And let me just show you something. It's Bible study night, so let's study the Bible a little bit. Deuteronomy 23. Let me show you something found in Scripture. Deuteronomy 23. In verse 24, you got to understand that the Old Testament, a lot of times the congregation did represent the church, but they were not a church. They were a nation. They had national leadership. Moses was the leader. Joshua was the leader. They had judges that were leaders. Later they had kings like Saul and David who led the people on a national level. And in Deuteronomy 23, God is giving us the laws of the nation of Israel. Now we don't live by these laws today because we don't live in Old Testament Israel, but these are good principles for us to learn about anyway. And in Deuteronomy 23-24, I want you to notice, God explains to us His welfare system. And God had established a welfare system in Old Testament Israel. Let me show it to you. Deuteronomy 23-24 says this, When thou comest into thy neighbor's vineyard, okay, so you're not coming into your own vineyard, you're coming into somebody else's vineyard. You're coming into a neighbor's vineyard. Then, notice what He says, Thou mayest eat grapes, and fill at thine own pleasure. Now it sounds, you know, it sounds like God's saying, you're able to just go into your buddy's, you know, or your neighbor's vineyard, and you can eat as many grapes as you would. He says, thy fill uh, uh, at thine own pleasure. But notice what he says, but thou shalt not put any in thy vessel. Look at verse 25. When thou comest into the standing corn of thy neighbor, then thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly what Jesus and his disciples were doing, right? He says, thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbor standing court. Here's the point. In the Old Testament, God, and we can look at a lot more verses, I'm not going to do it. You can say it out on your own if you'd like. But in the Old Testament, God would tell people that as they went out and they, they would sow the land and they would reap the harvest. He said, as you go and gather in your harvest, He says, don't do it twice. Here's what He means. He says, you go out and you bring in the harvest and anything that's left over. He said, you don't go back and give it a second round and grab all the things that you forgot or the things. Because you know, as you're harvesting stuff, you may leave a little bit. You know, you've got a sickle and you cut things down and, and you may grab some of that wheat and bring it in, but there may be a little bit left over. He said, you don't go back a second time. He said, anything you didn't get the first time, He said, the first time, you're going to grab the majority of it. But He said, anything that's left over, he said, I want you to leave it for the poor, for the widows, for the fatherless, for the people that cannot provide for themselves. And then he says, what they can do is they come, they can come into your vineyard, and anything that's left over, they can take it, and if they can, if they can eat it, if they can carry it with their hands, they can take it home. And he said, that's how we're going to provide for the poor. 
Now he would ex- ex- explain to them, here are the rules, okay? No- notice what he says in verse 24. He, uh, the last part of verse 24. Thou shalt uh, not put any in thy vessel. Look at the last part of verse 25. Thou shalt not move a sickle into thy neighbor's standing court. Okay, so these old people, these old people, good night. These poor people could not, you know, they couldn't come in with their tractors, okay? They couldn't come in with their equipment and say, we're here to, you know, uh, get, they, they, they could only take what they could take with their hands. Does that make sense? So these people would bring in their harvest, they would leave, you know, anything else left over, they'd leave it for the poor, they'd leave it for the widows, they'd leave it for the fatherless, for the orphans, and then those people would come into the field, anything they would take, they could take in their hands, they were allowed to take, and this is how God provided for those that could not support themselves. Notice in the Old Testament, and I'm not preaching about this, but I just can't help but show it to you. Notice that in the Old Testament, God expected even the poor to work for what they got, even when it was given to them. They had to go into the field. There was no Obamacare. There was no, you know, we're going to send you a welfare check for doing no work. There was no just sit at home, you know, watch Oprah all day, watch Dr. Phil all day, don't go to work, we'll support you, we'll just do everything, we'll just send the check to your house. God never told them to do that. God said, hey, they got to get up and they got to go work too, but if they can't afford a big land and they can't afford, then he says, just just let allow them to have what was left over. That was a welfare. Now, here's, here's the point. Jesus and his disciples were very poor. Because they were full-time ministry. <laughs> and full-time pastors don't get paid a lot, you know, especially if you're preaching the Bible. So these guys don't have a lot of money. So they're going through the corn, and, and they're hungry, and they're plucking corn, and they're eating it, which is totally within their rights to do. They're not doing anything illegal. And you've got to understand this. The Bible prohibited doing servile work on the Sabbath day, which means the work that a servant would do, or the work that you would do as your job. It is not work for you to feed yourself. Does that make sense? It's not like on the Sabbath day, you know, you weren't allowed to pour yourself out some Cheerios into a bowl and eat it. Because they were, well, that's good, that's work. You know? I mean, I'm not really sure what these Pharisees expected. If they expected somebody to, like, chew up their food for them and put it in their mouth, you know, or something. But the guys are just walking. They're not sitting harvesting. They don't have a sickle. They're not bringing a harvest. They're walking through the field. It happens to be Saturday. They're hungry. They're broke. So they're just grabbing corn and they're eating it, which is within their legal limits. Does that make sense? Go back to Matthew chapter 12. Look at verse 2. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful upon the Sabbath day. Now you've got to understand this, okay? The Pharisees were not correct in their accusation. They accused the disciples of doing something that was illegal, but we just saw in Deuteronomy that what they were doing was completely within their rights. And I'll show you exactly why the disciples, or why the Pharisees, were not correct. Look at verse 3, Matthew chapter 12 and and verse 3. But he said unto them, Have ye not read? Now here's the key word. The key phrase is this. Have ye not read? Because if they would have read Deuteronomy 23, verses 24 and 25, they would have known that what Jesus' disciples were doing was totally fine. That there was nothing wrong with it. And he says, Have you not read what David, when he was in hunger, and they that were with him, uh, uh, and they that were with him, look at verse 4, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was cast 
which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest. Look at verse uh, 5. Or have ye not read, and, and we're going to get back to this, but I want you to understand this. The reason that the Pharisees were wrong is one reason. And it's the same reason people are wrong doctrinally today. We have a lot of false teaching. We have a lot of heresy being preached. We have a lot of doctrines that are not based in the Bible, just like the Pharisees had. And it all comes down to one thing. Most people do not read their Bibles. And he says, he says, Pharisees, you don't even know what you're talking about. He said, haven't you read? Haven't you read that it's okay to do this? And by the way, there was also, there wasn't just a Sabbath day. The Bible says there was a Sabbath year. There was an entire year where they were supposed to allow the land to rest. And they took a year off. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be cool. And you know, they took a year off. And God said, if you trust me, if you have faith, that I, he said, I will make sure on the sixth year. He said, I'll give you three times the amount of what would bring, you would bring it. He said, I'll bring enough for that year that you need. He said, I'll bring enough for the year that you take off. He said, I'll bring enough that you'll have the first year that you get back to work. You'll still have left over from that sixth year. So on that seventh day, were poor people just not supposed to eat that, day, that year? You know, it was totally legal what they were doing. But I want you to understand this. The Pharisees were not correct because they had not read. But I want you, it goes further than that. Not only were the Pharisees not correct because they had not read, the Pharisees were not compassionate. Because Jesus does not blast them with Deuteronomy 23, 24, and 25. I showed you that. But notice, Jesus doesn't even bring that up. Notice what Jesus brings up. Look at verse 3 again. Matthew chapter 12, verse 3. And he said unto them, Have ye not read what David, when he was in hunger, and they that were with him? Now keep your finger there in Matthew 12, and go into the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 21. Okay? Because I want you to see this story. 1 Samuel 21. You may be familiar with David. If you're not familiar with David, I would advise you to read the Bible. And get familiar with David. David is a great character in Scripture. First Samuel, I mean, the, the First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, Second Kings are probably some of the most exciting books of the of the Bible. First Samuel twenty one one. Just so you understand the context, David is running from Saul for his life. Saul wants to kill David. Saul is jealous of David. David is running for his life. Verse number one. Then came David to Nob to Abimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? So David is running. He ran away. Usually David always had an entourage with him. He was this great warrior. He always had all these warriors with him. But they're like, Hey, what's, what's wrong here, David? Why are you alone? Why is no man with thee? So he, because he's running for his life. Verse 2. And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, because he's literally just ran away. The word hasn't got out yet. And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and when I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. So David lies to him. And David actually pays for that lie. Later in scripture, I'd advise you to read it if you're interested. But David lies and says, Hey, the king sent me on a business. It was really uh, uh, a really important thing. I had to go. So I, I just left. Look at verse 3. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or what there is present. So he says, we're hungry. We haven't ate anything. Do you have food that we can eat? Now look at verse 4. And the priest answered David and said, he said, there is no common bread. You see that? He says, there is no common bread. So there is no regular bread that I could give you. Look what he says, under my hand. But there is hollowed bread. The word hollowed means holy. It comes from the same word as holy. Or sanctified bread. Here's what he's saying. Because the priest, 
They, you know, they had bread that was just normal food that they could eat. But then they also had things that were given in sacrifice. And even bread would be given in sacrifice. And that was holy or hollowed bread that only the priest could eat. A normal guy couldn't just walk up and make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich out of that bread. It was only for the priest. So he said, there is no common bread under my hand, but there is hollow bread if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. Look at verse 5. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is is in a matter common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. And the priest gave him, notice what he gives him, hollowed bread. For there was... No bread there, but the show bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day uh, when it was taken away. Go back to Matthew 12. I, I, I'm just trying to give you the con- I know we're looking at a lot of verses, but I want you to get the context of this, okay? The Pharisees are accusing Jesus of doing something wrong. Now, notice what Jesus says, okay? Because here's the thing. Did Jesus do anything wrong? Did his disciples do anything wrong by walking through a cornfield and grabbing corn and eating it as they were just walking by on the Sabbath day? They did nothing wrong. But they're being accused of doing something which is unlawful. And here's Jesus' response. Look at Matthew 12 and verse 3 again. But he said unto them, Have ye not read? Now, notice what he said. Have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger? Now, you and I, we're not like the Pharisees because we just read it, right? So we know what happened. He said, "Have you?" when he was in hunger, David was hungry, and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God, and he did eat the showbread, which, notice this phrase, which was not lawful for him to eat. Okay, so was it right for David to eat hollow bread, according to Jesus? No. It was not lawful. It was illegal. It was wrong. For him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. Here's what Jesus is trying to explain to the Pharisees. He's saying, look, we didn't do anything wrong. But even if we did, even if it was wrong to go through the cornfield and take corn and eat it on the Sabbath day. He said, don't you remember what David did when he was running and he was starving and they gave him bread to eat? That was not lawful for him to eat. Here's what Jesus is teaching. Sometimes it's better to have compassion on someone and say, this isn't the, really, it's kind of breaking the rule, but what am I supposed to do? Let David starve? Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, David was hungry, David was traveling, David was starving, and he did something that was not lawful, but Jesus is saying to them, I'm okay with that, because I want you to have compassion on people. And let me just, let me, let me just prove it to you, okay? Go to, uh, we'll look at verse 5, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 5. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath day the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? He says, look, the priests themselves profane the Sabbath. Because here's the thing. The Sabbath day, everybody was resting. Guess who was working the hardest on the Sabbath day? The priests were. Because what day is the day that, you, that you're going to perform the most sacrifices? On the Sabbath day. Because that's when everybody's off. So he said, look, the priests profane the temple on the Sabbath day and are blameless. But I say unto you, verse 6, that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if he had known, and here's the key, verse 7. But if he had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Here's what Jesus is saying. I would rather you show mercy and compassion to an individual 
who needs it than to adhere to your religious sacrifice ceremony. He said that priest could have said, I don't have any bread for you. I've only got hollow bread, but only the priests are allowed to eat it, David. So you're just going to have to starve. Jesus says, I'd rather you have mercy than sacrifice. And see, he's explaining to these Pharisees that their mindsets are incorrect. There's a third example. Let me show you a third example. Go to Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 9. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. Okay, so the first thing we saw was that the, the, the Pharisees were not correct because they had not read the Bible. The second thing we saw is that the Pharisees were not compassionate upon people. They were not showing mercy. They'd rather do the right sacrifice at the expense of mercy. And Jesus says, I'd rather you do the, give mercy at the expense of a sacrifice. But let me show you number three. The Pharisees were not consistent. They were not consistent in their accusation. Notice what happens. Verse 9, And when he had departed thence, he went into their synagogue. So now they're in the synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. So a man is crippled there from, from his hand. Notice the question they asked. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Now why would he ask that question? Well, they, the Bible tells us why they asked that question. That they might accuse him. Because they know Jesus has been going around healing people. Now look, I, I, the Pharisees, they, they got a lot of nerve, you know. Because, you know, the question I would say is, well, can you heal somebody, Pharisee? Can you make the blind see? Can you make the lame walk? Well, no, I can't make the blind see. Then maybe I'll not worry about it. Yeah, that's what I would say. But, you know, they asked Jesus, well, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Because they wanted to accuse him. Because here's what they were going to say. If he healed the man, then they were going to say, he's working on the Sabbath day. Because they want to get him in trouble. Verse 11. And he said unto them, now notice what he says. He says, what man shall there be among you? So he's looking at the Pharisees. He says, which one of you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into the pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? He says, look. Because they said, well, is, is, is it right to heal on the Sabbath day? And he said, what do you mean? Like you do? When your sheep falls into the pit on a Sabbath day, and you rescue it out, because that's your investment, because that's your business, because that's your money? Now notice what he says, verse, verse 12. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. That's a great verse for the environmentalists. You know, these people that, they, they tell you, uh, animals are more important than human beings. God doesn't believe that. Then say he to the man, to the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole, like as the other. Now, I want you to understand a couple of things, okay? The Pharisees were not correct. Why were they not correct? Because they had not read. Because they had not read. I mean, look at the verse again. Matthew 12, look at verse 3. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did? Look at verse 5. Or, have ye not read? And you know, we're not Pharisees, and we're not of the sect of the Pharisees, but let me tell you something. Sometimes it's easy for Christians to get in the same mindset of the Pharisees. And to begin to act like the Pharisees. And here was a problem that the Pharisees had. And here's a problem, a concern. I'll tell you, I honestly tell you, a concern that Pastor Emanus has for not very Baptist church just only, but for, for a lot of churches. And, 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 here, and here it is. We have a lot of Christians, like the Pharisees, who know a lot, but don't read their Bibles. We had these guys visiting with us this last week. And man, those guys were a blessing to me. 
and I was talking to them, and, and they were they were explaining. They, we were talking about the, the problem that we have in our movement. Some of you you don't even know what I'm talking about. There actually is a little bit of a movement that we started with things like after the tribulation and new world order Bible versions. And there's a concern that we have because you know it's easy for people to. Watch things like After the Tribulation, New World Order Bible Version. It's easy for people to go on websites like YouTube and watch videos and watch preaching. It's easy for people to go on websites and listen to preaching. And I'm not against any of that. We put our sermons on our website so people can listen to them. We put sermons on YouTube so people can listen to them. I'm not against that. But here's what ends up happening in a lot of people's lives. They spend a lot of time learning a lot of doctrines and a lot of things. And they listen to sermons like my sermon. Or they listen to sermons like Pastor Anderson's sermon. Or they spend a lot of time on YouTube or Facebook and, and listening to a lot of preaching. And it's good that you're doing that. But they spend more time learning about rules than they do learning about God. And what happens is it's easy to take a law that God said that you are to rest on a Sabbath day and you take it out of context and you take it to a place where God never meant for it to, to be taken. And Jesus said, if you would just read your Bible, you would realize the spirit in which I gave that law. And today, my theory is that we have a movement of Pentecostal Baptists that are very knowledgeable in the do's and don'ts, but are not knowledgeable in a relationship with God. And don't understand that the most important thing you can do is read your Bible and understand the heart of God. Stop getting so worried about the do's and the don'ts. And look, I'm all for the do's and the don'ts. And I'm all for what we should do and what we shouldn't do. How you should dress and how you shouldn't dress. What you should look at and what you should I'm all for that. But why don't you learn God and understand God and read the word of God. The problem with the Pharisees was not that their rules were bad. But they did not understand the rules because they did not read the book. They just understood a bunch of things that they were supposed to do. The Pharisees were not correct. Because they don't know the Bible. And it's easy to take things to an extreme and that makes you feel spiritual. Because usually what happens when you get a lot of knowledge, but you don't do a lot of reading, is the first thing that goes out the door is how correct you are on the things you believe. The next thing that goes out the door is how compassionate you are on the people you minister to. I mean, look at verse 7. Matthew 12, 7. He says, but if you had known what it means, notice what Jesus says. He says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. That's a quote out of Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6. If you'd like to write that for your notes, we're not going to turn there. But in Hosea 6, 6 is where that quote comes from. Uh, it's Bible study night, so I want you to have a few notes just to look back and study. But Hosea said, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You need to understand this. Because they were more interested in their religious ceremonies. They were lacking in their relationship. They would have rather that Jesus not healed the man and kept the Sabbath. They would have rather that David starved and not eat the showbread. They were interested in rules, but they were not interested in... And I guess here's, here's the point for tonight. The, the, the point of the sermon is this. Establishing relationships is better than keeping rules. And having a relationship with God is better than keeping a bunch of rules that you can have on your, your, on your mind and say, I'm spiritual because I kept these rules. God would rather have mercy than sacrifice. God would rather have compassion on someone... Been. You know, and, and, and I pray that we've never, I remember my, my wife, when, when she first got saved, my wife, she, I met her when we were 17 years old, and when I met her, she was an atheist. And I, I got her saved, but it, honestly, it took about three to four months and like 150 times of me giving her the gospel. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but I'm not. 
And uh, she was an atheist. She, you know, she was, a, she was a smart girl, so that, that was a problem. She was a smart girl. <laughs> she had, uh, she'd already graduated from high school. She graduated early. She was first year in college, you know, and they taught her all these atheist-type things, you know. And, uh, and I got her saved. And she started coming to church. Now, of course, she's a brand-new Christian. So she walks into church, and she's not dressed exactly how she's supposed to be dressed. And she wasn't dressed bad, but maybe her skirt was a little shorter than anything she would wear now, or maybe a little tighter. And I remember she was so uncomfortable because she walked into church, and people were just staring at her. She was dressed, not like every other independent one of Baptist that comes to our church dresses. And, you know, there was this girl that kept looking at her, and she felt very uncomfortable. You know, what to God that our church will never get to a place where we are so interested in keeping up rules that the Bible has. And I'm not minimizing the rules. But what to God that we would never get to the place where we would forget that we are here to show compassion and love to a community of people that may not have everything put together, may not understand everything they're supposed to do. But our job is not to blast people. Our job is to love people. And he says, I'd rather have mercy than sacrifice. He said, I'd rather you show compassion than keep a bunch of rules. He said, if you just read the Bible, you would understand that the heart of God was not to set rules for the sake of setting rules. He said, he, he said I gave you the Sabbath day so you could rest. Beat somebody over the head with it. They were not only lacking correctness, they were not only lacking compassion, but they were lacking consistency. They accused Jesus for doing something that they would have done. They said, are you going to heal that man on the Sabbath day? That day you could accuse him. And he said, I'm going to do the same thing you would do if your sheep had fallen with it. He said, this is just my sheep. And he said, you're a hypocrite. Because you're so concerned and following a bunch of rules that you don't realize that you're not following your own rules. And he says, that's the problem. That that's the issue. I'm not minimizing Keeping the commandments. I hope you understand. Go to John chapter 14. We're almost done tonight. John 14. I'm not minimizing commandments. We preach a lot about keeping God's commandments. We preach a lot about keeping rules and keeping things that God wants you to do. But I need you to understand this. Establishing a relationship with God is better than keeping rules so you feel close to Because here's what you got to understand. Following a bunch of rules will never establish a relationship with God. But when you establish a relationship with God, when you begin to actually walk with God, when you begin to actually pray and read your Bible, guess what? You'll begin to follow the rules just automatically because it's what God does in your life. Are you there in John 14? Look at verse 15. Look at what Jesus said. He says, if he loved me, that's the relationship, keep my commandments. Those are the rules. He said, but I want it in that order. He said, because you can keep my commandments, but that doesn't mean you love me. You can keep my commandments so you can have something to weigh above somebody else who's maybe not as mature as you are, or hasn't gone as far as you are, or maybe isn't even saved. And you can say, well, look at what they're doing. Look at what they're listening to. Look at what who they're... And God says, why don't you just work on a relationship with me? Why don't you just learn to love me, and, and you'll keep the commandments, and that'll be great. We're not minimizing the rules. I hope you understand that. We're not minimizing the rules. But we are to establish relationships with people, and the Pharisees did not get that. They forsook their relationship with God, and they said, I'm not going to read the Bible. I listen to the... I watch that documentary on YouTube. I, I listen to that preacher. I'm not going to listen to that Bible. I don't even know what we're supposed to do. And they went off and they took a bunch of laws out of context. Some of, you know, I, I had a pastor who told us once, before you start trying to spend a whole lot of time studying the Bible, you ought to just read through the Bible. He, this is what he said to me. Read the Bible cover to cover. 
five times before you start trying to study anything in the Bible. I'm not, I'm not telling you you need to do that, but I just be very careful before you start getting hang, hung up on all these things you studied about in Scripture when you've never even read the Bible cover to cover. Read the Bible. Develop a relationship with God. Walk with God. Love people. Don't be a Pharisee. That's right. Because it's very easy in a church like Verity Baptist Church where Pastor Mendes gets up on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I preach about something that you don't like, and I offend you, and something that you're like, well, I'm doing that, and I can't believe you said that, I can't believe this, and we ought to preach those things, and we ought to preach God's rules, and we ought to keep God's commandments, but don't ever forget that the goal, that's the goal. And that's what the Pharisees didn't understand. And Matthew 12 is a very, as you'll, you'll notice as we go through it, we'll, we'll look at it next week. It's a very important chapter in, in the book of Matthew because it transitions. Remember we were talking about Jesus had a, a real popular side of his ministry and then he became kind of unpopular? Well, this is kind of bringing it to a head. In the next few verses, uh, the Pharisees and, the, and Jesus are going to just kind of have their last showdown. And in Matthew 13, Jesus says, nuts to the Pharisees. He said, I don't even want them to know what I'm preaching about. And he begins to teach in parables so that they would not understand what he was saying. And this is kind of coming to that head where the Pharisees, he's given them their last chance, but they're not getting it. They're not understanding it. They're hard-hearted. But here's the worst part. They believe they're doing it in the name of God. And Jesus will say to them, you don't even know what the Bible says. Let us never get to that place. Always love people. Always love God. And keep the commandments on the way. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Father, I pray that you'd help us as we study just 14 verses tonight. But Lord, I pray as the lesson was taught, as the application was made, that we would see where it needs to be in our hearts. And Lord, I know, I know, I, I can look back, I can, I can look back at my own life at a time when I was very, very pharisaical. I know it's normal. I know it's natural. We start learning. We start gaining some knowledge. We start hearing some preaching. I did it too. Lord, I pray you'd help us to always remember that we are here to love you and love people. And the most important thing is not our rules. It's our relationship with you. Father, I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd help us to be a people of the book. I'm all for listening to preaching. I hope people go on our website and listen to preaching and go on our YouTube page. I hope they do. I hope it's a blessing to them. We put it out there for a blessing. But let us never, 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 never minimize walking with you, reading the Bible, spending time in prayer with you, loving people, having mercy and compassion on a community that's on its way to hell. Help us never to forget that. Father, we love you in your precious name, I pray. Amen.